welcome to Eve Reloaded. I'm Chenyu Bakarich. And I'm Becky Louie. Thanks for streaming us today. We have a big episode for you. Today we'll be talking about the impact of COVID-19 on women's jobs and what that means for Christian women and what the Bible has to say about it. Later on, Becky and I will be introducing ourselves properly and we'll also cover some of the feedback we got from our last episode on body positivity. So lots to cover, but here's where I want to begin. In July, the Harvard Business Review published research which said, women have borne the brunt of the economic impact from COVID-19. Women's employment is dropping faster than average, even accounting for the fact that women and men work in different sectors. Their analysis shows that globally, female jobs are 19% more at risk than male ones simply because women are disproportionately represented in sectors negatively affected by the COVID-19 crisis, such as accommodation and food services. Australian researchers have backed this up too, with one professor from the University of South Australia calling it a pink recession. So just before we continue, I want to acknowledge that lots of people have lost their jobs, not just women. I'm sure we can all think of people who have suddenly found themselves out of work. Um, But today we're talking to women and about women. Um, What does the Bible say to women, Becky, who find themselves suddenly unemployed? Well, first of all, um, I'm really sorry for your loss. And I think um, we really feel for you. And um, this is such an issue, which is why we wanted to do um, this podcast topic on it. Um, So... Scripture says a lot of things. I think um, besides that, God cares. Uh, firstly, I think one thing is your identity is not your job. So you might be feeling, you know, I'm a nurse or I'm a business manager and now I don't have a job. Who am I? Um, nobody's paying me money because you're not being paid. Do I have less value to society? And the answer is no. God made you in his image and Jesus died for you. And you know that's, that's probably a reminder. You might know that but you might not be feeling that. So that is a good thing to remind yourself with. Um, I think the, the second reminder is that God is sovereign over this. And so um, sometimes this is hard to hear from someone else, but you probably need to be reminded. Romans eight twenty eight says, for those who love God, all things work together for good. And that means even these bad things. And the good is in verse 29, which is to be more like Jesus. So even though it doesn't feel like it, um, God can be really using this for your good to um, to trust in Him. And the third thing, and like these, these are these are easy to say, but probably yeah. hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but th- that's, that's the best we can offer you, and it's really good. Like it's it's hard. So in Matthew six, um, Jesus says, "Don't be anxious." So that is in the face of a really anxious situation. Like some people have not just, they've lost jobs, but that that has so many flow on effects for their housing, their children, like paying bills, paying, getting money. Like it is a very stressful time. Yet Jesus says, don't be anxious. In 625 to 34, he, he says it three times. And he, he gives those stories of God provides. He says, look at the lilies of the field. And look at the birds of the air. God provides for them. Um, he can provide for you and he knows your need. Um, and in Philippians 4, again, it says, don't be anxious because you are anxious. And um, the advice is to give it to God, to pray. And so, um, yeah, it's a deep thing to ponder. But 
remember that God is there for you. And at the same time, work is really good. So uh, it's a good thing to mourn, as in if you're not working, um, the Bible says we were made to work. Um, That was before the fall in Genesis 2. When we were made, we were given work to do. It was good work in Genesis 3. It it gets broken, so it's frustrating and you lose your jobs. But work is a good thing, so it's right to mourn it. It's right to keep seeking to get another job. Um, But you're also freed from having to get that same job or having to try and get a a really uh, status-y job. And you're also freed from, if you can't get a pay job at the moment, you can... You're also free to just do good works that are unpaid, like that, like yeah. When you're trusting God, which is a hard thing to do, um, and like I'm mindful of of saying that, oh, just trust God. It's not just trust God; it's trust God um, mm. in the hard times. Mm. It's I, I even felt nervous writing this down, going, oh, I'm I'm telling people I don't know. Just trust God; He can provide for you. Um, but Scripture says that He can, and uh, yeah. And we're, we're freed from anxiety and we're freed from having to build ourselves up in our identity in our job. And we're freed from um, worrying about that. So. And what can we as Christian brothers and sisters do for people who might find themselves in this situation? I think we should care and seek any way that we can to meet their needs. Um, and if people have different needs. And I think scripture calls us to do it sacrificially mm. until it hurts um yeah and it's a it's a bit scary when you go but there's so much need but there's there's the people that god's put in front of you and if you can see your need that you can meet try and meet it and um the macedonians gave out of their poverty so um yeah that's a big challenge for us too and to look to go looking mm. to to be an answer to someone else's prayer um I think like it's it's an amazing thing when God answers your prayers. It's also really amazing when you are the answer to someone's prayer. This is a side funny story. Um, at our old church, uh, I remember one day it was kind of it was lunchtime, and I decided I wasn't. I was working. Phil was working, and I said I'm going to go and walk a little bit further because there's a good lunch special. <laughs> it's ten minutes. <laughs> walk away but I'm gonna go and get it and I was walking around the corner um, so it's it's a bit longer than I would normally walk and about halfway there I saw one of the ladies from our church on her way to Bible study it was a really windy day this lady is quite old Uh, she's over 80 she had a walker and she was just being blown down the street and she was completely stuck and she could not, she was trying to walk to Bible study to church and she couldn't get there. And I came and got her and um, just held on to her and walked her back to church. And I never made it to get lunch from the other special. I just had some <laughs> other ones because by the time it took to get her and to get her to church and yeah, I don't know what she would have done. She It was a really, really windy day and she was just going, I was just praying, God help me. <laughs> I'm so stuck. And so I thought, that day was not about me getting my Thai lunch special. It was about me being an answer to someone else's prayer. Mm. Being the answer to someone else's prayer is, is such a blessing because you go, oh, God is answering. And God likes to answer through his people. Yes. So if his people are in trouble and you can see that and you can help, then 
um, be an answer to prayer so that we can all give thanks to God together. Mm. And people keep throwing around this phrase, we're all in this together as some kind of like unifying cry. But as Christian family, we're more so together. And it is complicated. It is hard. It's hard for people to make their needs known um, and they might not want to. Yeah, so even even that's complicated. So it's not mm. just easy as oh, we just we just we'll just show up and do things. We'll just show up yeah. and do things. It might be it might be trying to find out a way that you can help someone so that they can receive it. It mm. might be yeah, trying to actually figure out what that help looks like is actually really complicated. And I think that's what growing in love and doing that together is like. Like I remember when I first became. Christian and I was at a church and the first kind of person in my life to have a baby I remember a minister's wife saying okay this is how you look after a family with a baby (laughs) it's like I love her I want to care for her yeah she's like you're gonna bring a meal over you're gonna put it in takeaway containers don't give her your best tupperware otherwise she'll be like oh i need to turn up like don't stay for too long don't make lasagna because everyone makes lasagna so make something (laughs) else (laughs) so she's you know, some people might like lasagna, but in, in that context, she's like, you know, find out what they're like. So she had to walk us through, this is how you love someone. Cause I, I loved my friend, but I had no idea how you help someone with a newborn baby. This was my first newborn baby in a friend's life. Yeah. And so I think helping someone who's lost their job or they have kids or what does that look like? Um, maybe that's a thing on the a discussion we could have on our yeah. Facebook page. Yeah, it's something we kind of all need to learn now because we know so many people who are out of work. Yeah. It yeah. might be the first time that we're caring for them. Please help us if that's you. Maybe you have good ideas, throw it in the group. So there's there's good ideas, well, there will be good ideas there for how we can support each other uh, one-to-one. But is there a role for the church in this, kind of structurally? So I'm thinking of somewhere in the New Testament where the Axe crew would take up a collection for the needy? That is a good question. And I think that is a good question, but I think sometimes when we say the church, we're thinking of some kind of bureaucratic board, whereas it is just Christians getting together and scheming like maybe the two of us or like in our Bible study when we were going, oh, we want to, all these people are having babies, what should we do? And we were talking about meal rosters and we were trying to figure out a program. So the church is Christians, mm. it's us. And so, yes, I think there is a role for the church, but who do we mean when we say the church? We mean us. I think we have, we do have some structures, like we have set up some kind of formalized structures. That's, that's where the origins of things like um, the Red Cross and the Salvation Army come from is Christians kind of going, okay, this is more than just our church. We need to have other churches band together. Let's set up a structure. Mm-hmm. So that has definitely happened. But at the end of the day, who does that? Christians. So this research by um, the University of South Australia has called this a pink recession because it's disproportionately affecting women. And they also identified that women are also less likely to be eligible for JobKeeper. And one of the um, reasons is because casual staff weren't eligible. And this author said that, sorry, this professor said um, that that was gender blind. So there are some structural things that um, are causing more disadvantage to women in this time. Um, is Is there anything the Bible has to speak into this? Yeah, I think, well, God cares 
about fairness and justice and God cares about um, those who are particularly vulnerable, which I think you have both in this case. So you have people who are working you know, essentially full-time hours, but because they're technically casual, they're not they're not being paid under the system kind of doesn't make sense. It seems like there's, it's, it's a loophole that they're not eligible. And, uh, you know, 1 Timothy 5 says, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out grain and the worker deserves his wages. So, um, yeah, we, we should care about that fairness. Um, and, you know, and it is a complicated system to, um, like, like what they're trying to do is not simple. I don't think the government has gone, let's target women it's just it's an oversight that needs to be addressed and and i think it's definitely an oversight and it's definitely unfair but in terms of the oversight there was another um i guess accusation that the the stimulus packages are all aimed at um in inverted commas um hard hats and high-vis vests like they were prioritizing men's jobs the men's sectors in the stimulus packages yeah, I found that a really interesting point. Um, and I think the uh, the the phrase someone was it's you know a textbook stimulus package. That is the textbook way. So I think even that is I think we need to give some grace. Like I never I didn't even realize that till that was pointed out. And I went, wow, that's so true. Because I was like, oh yeah, of course you do construction and infrastructure. Of course you do that. That's that's the textbook economics. And it's great that people have stepped up. And challenged that went, is that the only way to do stimulus? Actually, what about, you know, care and health and education? Like, why aren't we investing in that? I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. That is a really good point that's made. So I think um, the scripture also speaks into this in terms of our relationship with our government, because the stimulus package is very much, it's a government thing. And we as Christians, how do we relate to our government? So I think the, the main Two bits of the Bible is 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17, which says, be subject to every human institution, the emperor, the governors, and honor the emperor. And 1 Timothy 2 says to pray for kings and those in high positions. So there's a sense of we want to submit and support our government, which, you know, keeping the law you'd you'd think is straightforward, but a lot of people are like, no, like, you know, um, there's not much space for us to be down with the government. it says it is a good thing because um, the reason given is governments are set there by God to um, promote good and to punish evil. But they're human governments, so they're not perfect. And so that's why we need to pray for them. And also that we're actually in a democracy that has pathways for us to participate in the democratic process that they go, they invite submissions that they would probably invite a submission that crunched the numbers and said, you know how we've got this um hard hats stimulus package here is the numbers on an alternative stimulus package that you know promotes women's jobs it is is better for the economy i haven't i haven't done the figures but they would actually be open to that so you know, like peter and paul wrote these words about honoring your emperor and praying when it was rome that was in charge that rome was like these christians who like their religion is bad like they were fundamentally opposed to Christianity and our government is not against us our government says yeah you know you want to help run the country help run it pray for us you know our current prime minister is very happy to be prayed for and yeah I'm not saying it's all perfect but I think 
yeah, the government, uh, the Bible speaks about our relationship with the government and that we can, it is a good thing to speak up and to speak not just angrily, not like, wow, wow, this is unfair, but to come up with real solutions because policies are tricky. So I think even if you look at our, how our stimulus packages rolled out, like they did the lockdown and then everyone went, oh, it's not just money. What about mental health? And then the next one will go, okay, yeah, we'll spend money in mental health. We didn't expect that. So I think we've already seen that the track record with our government is that they, they respond. So, you know, I, I am very optimistic though. So that's, <laughs> that is my, my leanings. Some people might say, Becky, you're naive. And, um, well, neither of us are policy experts. So, you know, I don't really want to get into the nitty gritty of, uh, proposing stimulus packages. No, no, but, but we sh- Christians should be involved in like, if you're good at policy and do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just also such a, a kind of. Um, out of the box response to disagreeing with the government is to pray to pray to pray absolutely absolutely and so much just just on social media so much of our the responses that people call for is just always just outrage and anger and I, I, I think yeah it's not good it's for us saying this is wrong and this is hard and people are suffering so we should care but just being outraged is not helpful it is like praying for peace, praying for quiet, praying for fairness. I think um, in Amos, it says, let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. It sounds good. <laughs> that That is what we want. And we should actively work towards that, which I think you just need more than just anger. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, another way that this pandemic situation has affected women is so ironically or kind of strangely they're more likely to be unemployed but at the same time they're more likely to be essential workers in the form of teachers and our retail staff and um yeah that that casual workforce so what what can we say to our christian sisters who are now finding themselves putting themselves at risk by going to work every day because they're essential yeah yeah and that's the good on them (laughs) i think the way that um christians should approach work is different in terms of uh, and this makes us better workers in colossians 3 23 says you know whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the lord as a reward it is the lord christ you are serving so having that different approach and going i'm I'm serving God and he has put me here in this place in this time. You know, if, if you're a teacher and you're in the middle of a school community that is freaking out right now, you can be calm and you can be, you know, if Philippians says count the interests of others higher than your own. That's actually a freeing thing. Like I think if your, if your life script is that, your job is everything and you need to be fulfilled and you need to always insist on your rights. When you are in a system when you're not receiving all your rights, then the whole world is terribly wrong. But I think as Christians, we know that it's terribly wrong. Mm. <laughs> um, we know that 
uh, God can work and we have hope for that. But if he doesn't work in our time, all is not lost. Like we have eternity waiting for us. Like the, the current present circumstances is not everything. Yeah. And in eternity, it says that he will right every wrong. He will right every wrong. And so, you know, if whatever is under your control to bring about justice, you do that. But if, if you can't, you know, in one Peter 3, it says, it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than evil. So like we have a very different relationship to suffering or injustice when when it comes to us. Like we can dislike it and say it's bad, but also the way that we handle it in terms of trusting in God and having peace and not being anxious um, is a great witness because we go, what is that? What is that you have? It's like, I have eternity (laughs) like whatever suffering we have now like we we are going to have glory that will far outweigh it glory and joy and yeah just enjoying the lord um and everything will be right so is your advice to the to our sisters who are you know finding themselves in essential jobs then to kind of put up with the conditions they're working in um not necessarily no so like i said our our god cares about justice and if if there's something you can do like when you're counting the interests of others it's it's also counting the interests of others in your industry and so sometimes putting up with something is not good like you might need to speak up for something so um you know and you also need to provide for your family that's what scripture says and you need to do work with your hands and not be idle so there's a lot of different wisdom principles at play so what however that works out will be different in each in each person's life and so i think we have freedom so i'm just going you know here's a few things fight for justice if you can't fight for justice that's also okay (laughs) you know you can stay you can go um you might not have a choice if you have a choice that's good make a good choice if you don't have a choice that's also okay yeah it's a complex one yeah it's a complex one <laughs> so i'm just throwing a few bible verses at you and hopefully one will one will hit where you go okay that's right and it, and it might not apply or we might have <laughs> well this is kind of like adjacent but related so if you're a woman who's kind of working through this situation what would your advice to her be like you know pray through it and talk to your bible study leader or like Yeah, well, I think um, Ephesians 2 tells us to be rich in good works. Um, So we're saved without our works. Um, We're saved by faith and not by works. But we live a life of good works. So what is the good works that you can be doing here? And there's lots of, there's multiple good works. There's, you know, there might be essential workers who have vulnerable family members. So then you're, you're actually, there's two different good works at play. There is the work that you do in your job and there's the work that you do in caring for your family or caring for vulnerable people in your life. So, um, yeah, and I think definitely talk to your Bible study leader and talk to people around you. Um, Yeah, and make sure you are talking from the Bible as well, though, because there is so much advice going around that is just from the world that is different, which is things like look after number one, you know, just take it easy or that's unfair, just drop that. And I think that's different from being rich in good works and caring for others, but being wise. And so caring for others does require you to care for yourself. But the point is to care for others. 
that's why you care for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and be, uh, at the end of the day, it's because you're doing it for God's glory. Mm. So, yeah. One thing about the people who are in essential work is that they tend to be in lower paying jobs. And um, one of the things I read online was about how this kind of pay rate shows how much the work is valued. In particular, they were talking about hospitality, which the sector has completely um, collapsed mm-hmm. through um, COVID-19, which even before this kind of change in the industry was, you know, the subject of a whole bunch of wage theft sort of scandals. Mm. So it just kind of located how precarious these uh, women's positions were in um, in their employment. Um Okay, so that is obviously unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And the gut reaction to that is just um, to, to fight back. You know, this is unacceptable. Make as much noise as you can about that. As a Christian person, is that the position that we should take as well? Well, I think what does fighting back look like? <laughs> um, raising awareness is probably, yeah, is a good thing. What are the policies that I think just recognizing that raising awareness and coming to a solution is not the same thing. Like sometimes you can all always see a problem and just because someone has go, oh, look, I saw this problem. It's like, yeah, I saw that too. doesn't mean you have a solution. So, um, yeah, I, but I think we should definitely care and definitely care about the vulnerable and you're vulnerable if you're in these, you know, your wage, your job is not secure and you're at, you're at the mercies of people and you don't have any avenues of redress, that's terrible. And, you know, scripture has lots of precedent for that. You know, there's this big rant in Amos 8 where he's talking about people who trampled the needy. He says, we can reduce the measure while increasing the price and cheat with dishonest scales. And it goes, the Lord has sworn, I will never forget all their deeds. So, you know, when, when people are taking advantage of others, but like, yeah, God says, I will not forget. And we are his people. So we go, well, we will not forget. We do care about the people who are being um, oppressed and people who, where that's this injustice. And there's like, the Bible is really concerned with providing for the poor and the vulnerable. You know, in Leviticus 23, you can't reap to the edge of the field. You can't gather what drops from the harvest. You have to leave it for the poor. In Leviticus 19, you can't strip your entire vineyard bare. You can't pick up the fallen grapes because people, you have to leave stuff for the poor. And Deuteronomy 24, that's probably the casual, is dealing with hired workers. You have to pay them on the same day they worked because they need their pay that day. You cannot withhold it from them. So, you know, the Bible kind of speaks directly into this. This is unacceptable to treat people this way. So we should definitely care. And um, our our government, which says, you know, it is trying to do good, we should say, you should care. And so, like I said, I, I'm not a policymaker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it's just good to, um, uh, to have it in your head and to think about what action you can take. Because I think Christians too often leave these fights to other people. And if those people are not believers then it's really leaving the vulnerable to people who don't have that um, anchor in Christ to fight on their behalf. Absolutely. And so like I mentioned before, Red Cross, Salvation Army, orphanages, schools, you know, even like the idea of universal public education, Mm. that rose out of the Reformation. So Luther said, 
because salvation requires each person to have a personal faith and understand the gospel, they need to be able to understand the scriptures. And if you need to understand the scriptures, you need to read. So like in the 17th century, Germany was a leader in that development and the church ran the schools. And in America, church, even when Australia was founded, the church ran the schools because they're the ones that said we would teach everyone to read because that matters and everyone's like oh well, whatever if you want to teach the poor to read you can and they went yes yes we will do you want, do you want another story of- okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so um george Mellor or Mueller, uh he was a um evangelist in bristol in england in the 19th century so the 1800s so think around oliver twist yeah. time so in 1836, him and his wife, Mary, so they have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And that year, they're renting a house. They rearrange it so they can take in 30 orphan girls. Wow. Um, in the next kind of little while, you know, two or three years, they open five. Hang on. Sorry. Thank you. Um, as they saw needs, they soon up opened more houses. There was expanded to 130 children so not just girls boys and younger children and they just kept on expanding and expanding and building a house here and so by 1870 they were looking after 1722 children in five different homes kind of custom built and they they went you know what we're not going to ask for the government we're not even going to ask for from people we're just going to pray we're going to pray and like you know christians around them knew what they were doing but they weren't they weren't asking them. They weren't targeting them. They're like, oh, yeah, I see you're doing that. I'm just going to hand it over. And so they just prayed for every need. Like there's, And he wrote down lots of details. So this is one time when they're in a house of 100, they're completely out of food. So the next morning, they're like, they prayed, thank you, God, for breakfast. They didn't have any breakfast. And they finished their prayers. There's a knock on the door. And the baker's there going, yeah, I just... I think God wanted me to bake for you. So here's bread. And so they're getting, they're distributing the bread. And then the milkman goes, uh, my, my car just broke down. So my cart, not car, sorry. My cart just broke down. So here's all the milk. And there you go, just praying. And so they said, we're not going to rely on the government. The government doesn't care. We're just going to rely on God to provide for, in their time, they cared for 10,024 orphans. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And so uh, George at one point says, you know, God doesn't call everyone to do what we've done. <laughs> Which I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> but maybe you're the, that baker or one of the many people that contributed over that time. But they, they said, you know, here's a need. Just going to pray about it and do something. And God just provided for them. And that was completely outside the government system. Actually, like, I love Every time we do a podcast something always hits me so it's not like i've had these long-held views i'm like i'm doing a deep dive on scripture and i'm always personally convicted so i think sometimes we can have okay i'm saved i've got it to heaven that's cool and then we get have middle class aspirations for our christian life Mm, so true like okay you know get a job um give some money to church give some money to missionaries serve you know share the gospel at your work wherever you are like this, this are, these are really good things to do, <laughs> but, but sometimes maybe we need like a George Mella, George and Mary Mueller picture of good works, of pursuing that and 
And the most important work is the work of the Lord. Like in Matthew 28 is go and make disciples. But the key word there in the Greek is actually make disciples wherever you go. And I think as you're pursuing good works, there is a lot of opportunity to say, this is what Jesus is like because you're showing them and you're, you're giving and you're, you're displaying grace. You're displaying, here's a gift. I don't expect you to pay me back because that's what Jesus did for me. Mm-hmm. So you live the gospel when you're pursuing the good works, when you're pursuing, I'm going to look after 10,000 orphans. Mm-hmm. Um, that is so gospel shaped. So, um, yeah, that, that's why we do it because that's what Jesus is like. Mm. Or, or, you know, if you don't have access to orphans, um, the the uh, sitting with your Christian sister who's suddenly unemployed and and pressing on the how can I help even if that if your if your sister doesn't want to accept help or um, yeah kind of thinking of those radical ways that we can show Christian love to each other yeah like they might not want to accept money but then you just keep turning up with groceries so they don't need to spend money or <laughs> like you you find ways to help them and yeah. Yeah, it should be, and and you should be going out if you go. Okay, they might not accept it if it's just from me, but if we go, it's our whole Bible study. It's like, oh, okay, I'm not burdening yeah, this one people. Idea. That's why sometimes it, it's easy when it feels like it's coming from a group of people going. Okay, I'm not being overly burdensome. Then they can receive help. So, and sometimes that takes more work because you've got to organize that. You've got to um, actually. Recently, one of um, my friends was in hospital and was and we like there was kind of a, a whatsapp prayer group and she was kind of updating us and then a friend went on the site and like all of us have kids and small kids going how about we put some money in and we just get her some flowers just you know message me how much you want to do and a message and i'll send her a card and flowers and then we sent so much like okay maybe not just flowers we're going to get her an uber eats voucher and we're also going to get a cleaner and all of us we love her but that friend who organized it catalyzed this group of kind of 12 women to be able to care for her and she was just you know crying and in tears going oh my goodness this is amazing and so all of us individually like we were willing but this one christian sister who organized that she made it happen and so if you're a person who can catalyze that and make that happen for people, then yeah, let's to do that. Bit of a change of pace now. We're gonna um, di- briefly dip our toes back into body positivity, which was the um, subject of our last episode. Once again, thanks to everyone who wrote in to us and let us know um, your thoughts on that episode. There was one thing that was bothering Becky and I that we didn't get to cover though and I just couldn't let it pass because it uh, actually name checked the t- <laughs> the um, what we've called our podcast. So the author of that original article had a line in, in her piece which was, Alas, policing female bodies and appetites is a timeless trend. We've been doing it since Eve was shamed for gluttonously eating that apple. Now, Becky, firstly, is that fair? And secondly, um, is there something Christians need to answer here for the way that we've contributed to body shame? And yeah, so reflecting on this, I think Christians have, particular Christians have, but the problem is that they've twisted scripture. So I think there has been uh, various teaching that uh, biblical femininity has a particular body shape that is attractive to men 
and it looks surprisingly like what our culture says should be beautiful. So women, you should lose weight and you should um, have your hair in a certain way and this and that. So I think um, in Christian circles that has been unhelpful, but it is un unscriptural in terms of what we have discussed previously in that God made bodies diverse and more importantly is our um, our inner heart towards him and our good works and yeah but I think even as as the author says that she's twisted scripture herself she said Eve gluttonously ate the apple and it's not the sin of gluttony like it is referring to that story in Genesis 2 of the first sin and the first sin is not gluttony the first sin is not letting your body go the first sin is disobeying God's word in a way that says God is not good and God should not be good because God said don't eat from the fruit it wasn't an apple just said fruit <laughs> he said don't eat from this because I've commanded you or else you'll die and so that is the sin that is not just Eve it's every woman and every man when we say God is not good I don't want to listen to him and that is as the author of life it's not good to reject the author of life um, and it's a relationship that we have completely broken and so that's where the good news of Jesus comes in and so um, she needs to hear this too she's rejected God as we all have and that's what Jesus came to do he died on the cross for our sins and so that we are back without shame um, shame for what we've done or shame for what we look like but we stand before him and we're reconciled to him really good so that's what scripture really says yes really feel good to be able to clear that up <laughs> yeah um and we did get some fantastic contributions um on this topic both through our facebook group and through our email which is eve reloaded podcast at gmail.com and so we just want to share some of those thoughts with you now did you want to kick us off becky yeah, so Tracy um, highlighted a whole bunch of other categories that we could think of about bodies in our church burdens. Like I think we're talking about, you know, for people of larger sizes, but there's different ages and abilities. So little bodies need to move and play. Um, pregnant bodies need a chair they can get out of again. Men with wonky knees don't like steps. People with back problems can't sit for long. There's vision impairment. There's hearing impairment. People might have breathing difficulties. There's aging. There's acne when you're up front, there's grey hair, people not feeling they can uh, interact with youth, there's tremors, there's you know, diabetes and respiratory conditions in this kind of COVID-sensitive community. So I thought that was really helpful. It's a helpful list of thinking other ways that mm, our, our bodies can affect how we inter interrelate and how we can, yeah, be considerate in thinking of others. Yeah. Yeah, and because uh, Christian communities are so, you know, there's so many different kinds of people that there's quite a lot of things that we um, need to be extending grace to each other for and welcoming each other and making each other feel that they belong. Yeah, and going the extra mile. Yeah, great. Um, this co comment is about contentment from Janine. Contentment is a very tricky issue. As Christians, some things are outside our control and responsibility, and we need God's help to be content with them. However, some things are within our control and responsibility, and I think it's okay not to be content with them and to seek to change, depending on the heart reasons. If a woman is overweight, I don't think she must be content with that. I think it's appropriate for her to pray and seek help if she would like to lose weight. Such good wisdom there. Yeah. 
Um, we also got a, a boatload of comments and suggestions around different things that people struggle with with their own bodies. It might not be their size or shape. Um, and we will definitely um, go through all of those when we tee up a beauty episode sometime in the future. So we, we know it's, uh, it's not encapsulated in that one um, episode we did on body positivity. We do want to cover it properly. So we'll be talking about all those things when we look at beauty. And thank you again. Um, we love getting feedback. We love hearing your thoughts. Um, please do hit us up in the Facebook group. So you can find that at Eve Reloaded Podcast or via Gmail, um, via email at Eve Reloaded Podcast at gmail.com. Now we get to the fun. Becky and I have prepared something fun. <laughs> we thought we might actually introduce ourselves properly. So it has come to my attention that this podcast is now reaching people who we don't personally know in a first kind of circle context. So that's exciting for us, but it made us think that maybe we should tell you who we are. Mm-hmm. So, Becky. Well, we met at church. So I, I got pregnant one month after being at, at this church. And when I go pregnant, my brain just disappears absolutely. So everything is so fuzzy. Um, Becky and I know each other from church. We go to church together. Um, when Becky arrived at church, um, I just had a couple of girlfriends leave for different reasons, you know, moved into state, got married and left, whatever. So I was down by about three or four friends. I was feeling very glum about that. And I knew that this new person was going to be joining soon. And I had like... Um, decided within my heart <laughs> I'm gonna make that person my friend <laughs> so I remember saying to uh, this other girl that I hung out with um, it doesn't matter if she is into horse riding or you know jet skiing I'm gonna get into that because <laughs> because I'm go- I'm gonna need another friend but what happened in the end was that Becky fell pregnant I fell pregnant and we have this same condition where <laughs> Where we both really are underwater or under a rock for those nine months. So that kind of plan, that stalled for me. It was nice though. It was kind of like, you you get why I don't, like, why I'm being so weird. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like right. We both went through that. Oh, I'll, I'll pick this up in a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because if I had met you and I wasn't pregnant, I we would I would have had you over. We would have, you know, I would have taken you for a cafe coffee or something. But yeah, we just had to park that. We had brunch. Oh yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it was just a bit drawn out. <laughs> yes, but it worked out in the end. So in the um in in that year or whatever that you had a second newborn, and same as me, we were going to playtime together playtime together we had bible study together and we had church on sunday together so that was really nice seeing you three times a week <laughs> yep and bible study you quite enjoyed i really enjoyed bible study because um i hadn't met anybody quite like chen you so i'm so i just i love questions and i love when people ask questions about the bible but chen you comes along and she's like asking questions but different questions and so yeah, we just, we would go on all these amazing tangents in Bible study and then um, come back and do the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just, I'm like, no one's ever asked that question before. Mm. I love this. I remember Becky, um, asked, I asked you a question once about swearing. <laughs> and then, um, you know, we kind of like bashed it out 
at Bible study and then like maybe two or three weeks later <laughs> Becky comes back to me and goes I've thought of something else <laughs> and just had pondered it a bit more <laughs> and really put the extra brain power into it yeah so. I loved it and yeah I was giving you more examples it was great <laughs> no it was good it was really good and um I think from that we I kind of knew that you would be a good person to talk to about these hard questions that I have. But the other thing that is really important in, you know, kind of forcing you to do this podcast with me was that you actually have the the qualifications. Yeah, so, so I have three degrees and a diploma, I think. <laughs> She's got so many qualifications, she can't remember them all. <laughs> um, so I, I studied law, which is really helpful in terms of a year's like, hundreds of pages of reading and you condense it so that's a good skill that I realize now maybe that's why God had me do that like that was not my intention and I did accounting which is you take some weird wacky language and like I love communicating financial information to non-financial information then you can understand this and so and my the third degree is a bachelor of theology that is has been such a privilege I think the body of Christ really helped support my husband and I to both study so he's you know, he's a minister, but I have this degree, and I'm like, well, it's not just like my personal Bible reading is it's improved. <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, I have all of these Bible tools, but I really thought that it shouldn't be just for me. It should be, and, and that's what I have. I just have tools. I'm like, I don't have all the answers. I'm like, here's a tool. Then now let's play with this tool, and here's he and I like how we throw things back and forth because you ask me a new question then I go ah oh, yeah. this tool and then you go ah oh, no I don't quite like <laughs> yeah it doesn't quite get everything and so we kind of between us like I put out some tools that we sculpt something amazing from the bible um I, I think yeah so do you work Becky so I work full-time loving my family at the moment um so I'm at home yeah so yeah I have a he's almost six months six months old but um I think like I said I feel the responsibility of God opened up a path for me to go to Bible college that I need to use what he's given me to serve his body so you know if I do I lead Bible study I look for other opportunities this is a good opportunity to <laughs> to use um what he's given me and yeah I used to work I did work um briefly in a law firm and worked as an accountant and I don't know what the future Yes, I do work. So I work part time, so four days a week um, for a Christian nonprofit. I am in marketing and communications. My background is I I worked for a marketing agency for you know a good ten years before I switched over to a nonprofit. Um, But my qualification is in journalism. I've got a master's in journalism an undergrad in communications and social inquiry. So it probably tells you why I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah. So we both like reading and there was this one book that I'd come across. Um, it's called, should I say what it is? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> it's called The Wizard of Earthsea. And I just mentioned it to Becky one day. I said, hey, Becky, have you read The, the Wizard of Earthsea? Um, they say it's what J.K. Rowling based her Hogwarts series on. And Becky was like, uh, no, I haven't. So I just left it at that. She, she actually asked the question twice. So <laughs> I took that as a recommendation. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think that was in, I might not, I might have been in between the two and three pregnancies. So I could read again. And so I was doing this thing where I, I'm like, I want to read 
books that my friends have read so I can discuss them. <laughs> but so anyway, I went to the library and I got that book and I found all, it's a series of four, so I borrowed all four and I read it. Because <laughs> it, like, it, it's written a while ago, so it's probably groundbreaking in its time. But I was really going, why did Jenny like this? Why did she recommend this to me? So I got to the end of the first one and I read the next three to want to see if it would get better. And it did. <laughs> well, I hadn't actually read the subsequent, you know, the sequels. But yeah, I mean, I thought the first one was terrible as well. And I just wanted someone to kind of talk to about like, oh, this book is terrible. <laughs> but um, Becky hadn't read it yet. So. <laughs> She thought I had really bad taste. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've known her for a while, but she's... How could she like this? (laughs) And then we finally, like, talked to each other about that. And I was like, oh, how bad is that book? And Becky's like, why did you tell me to read it? If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening to Eve Reloaded Podcast. Um, If you would like to give us feedback, we would love to hear it. You can email evereloadedpodcast at gmail.com or jump into our Facebook group, which is also called Eve Reloaded Podcast. Thank you. And we'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye.